0: Steve Cleveland's weekly interview with DJ and PK is brought to you by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. Steve joins us now on the SmartRain Guest Line. SmartRain's state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% of your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. Steve, good morning.
1: Good
0: morning. Steve, PK uh, just threw something out, and and he and I have not talked about it, but I believe this 100%. But I believe you have spent more time with the two people in question, and I think you're going to endorse what we believe, but it will mean more coming from you because we're viewing from a distance and you know them better. But I believe the jazz owner, Ryan Smith, just hired – a guy he's uh friends with, Danny Ainge, and I believe they both like to roll the dice more than jazz management is like to roll the dice for decades. And I think that um And I think this isn't a surprise if you're in the tech industry. We've all heard the phrase creative disruption. And even though uh, Ryan Smith unloaded the radio station pretty quickly, the little bit of time that he owned the team and owned the radio station, we heard from our managers, be inventive. Try something different. Don't stick with the status quo. If you don't make a mistake, you're not trying and coming up with new ideas. I think they're going to be more aggressive in player movement than ever before. Now, that doesn't mean they're crazy, and that doesn't mean they're looking to turn the roster upside down tomorrow or at the trade deadline. But when we look back over two or three years, we're going to say, wow, the Jazz are much more aggressive in player moves. Do you believe that based on your relationship with these two people?
1: Uh, Absolutely. I mean, I I think they're – you look at both of them and their success, and and, and I'm, you know, I know Ryan, and I, I think my grandchildren and, and his children, uh, I've had a son move back up there, so they, th- there's a relationship there, and I've met Ryan a few times, and uh, but you just look at his life and what he's done, and uh, the aggressiveness and just the intelligence and just the, being able to kind of, for me, they're they're both kind of visionary people, but Ryan specifically is someone that from a very young age had a vision about stuff. that he's just – he's got an incredible mind. And I think that Danny is a guy that's always thinking outside of the box. And, and, and both of them are so confident, so successful, very people-oriented. And, and really connections and relationships are important to them. And when you look at what's happened throughout the state of Utah, especially the impact that Ryan Smith has had, uh, I don't think any of us five or ten years ago are thinking that you know this would be the guy that would own the Jazz and run the Jazz. But and I have complete confidence in this guy to 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 do things that are different that have been done uh, to really take the Jazz to another level. And listen, they've been really successful, but they you know I think these guys want to win championships, and they're, and they're not that far away. So uh, making deals and bringing guys in uh, is going to be something that I could see them doing you know very quickly. Uh, we got, I don't know, when. when is the trade deadline here coming up? I mean, it, it's oh, coming got, up pretty soon. Yeah, they got and, a few uh, weeks, though. They got a few weeks, and you know, there's, I don't know, maybe 100, 150 people <laughs> in that group that I don't know they're going to make any immediate moves, but down the road, I can see them really, uh, their uh, their, their impact on, on this program is significant, and especially with Danny coming in with all the experience he has and the understanding of the game. Um, I, I read the articles that you know indicated that this kind of caught Danny off guard. I think we all just assumed that Danny would be there, but I'm not sure that was true. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. I, I think they're going to have an impact immediately. Just all of that experience as a player, as an owner's, as uh, general managers. I mean, Danny's had about every job except ownership in a in, a, in an NBA franchise. So. Uh, he sees this thing with a different set of lenses than than most people do so no it's it's going to be good i think it's nothing but good for utah for the jazz uh and make making them take, getting them to the next step where they're winning i mean they, they got to win a championship that's what they're there for that's what they want i'm sure that's their goal is to win an Nba championship and and they're close they're close but i don't i, I don't necessarily think right now that it's it's where it's going to end up yet in terms of
2: personnel. Bold moves always fascinate me. You know, I think that it was a bold move to hire you from the junior colleges, and you talked about it a million times over, this no-name dude out of Fresno, and, you know, and had the monumental job you had to do, and proved to be successful. You got to the tournament in four years, and you brought Rose aboard, and Rose bought Pope, so your influence is still felt all these years later, but bold moves always just intrigue me. And this doesn't really make sense, but I'm going to say it anyway. How careful do you have to be when you make a bold move?
1: Typically, you make bold moves when maybe things that have not been working and you want to take a chance. I mean, I think of that, the first thing that comes to my mind is maybe we need to look at this with a different set of lenses. We Maybe let's take a different perspective on this, which is what we've been doing for a long time. And even though there's a lot of good, it's not where we want to be and we want to get to the next step. I mean, I, I think when you, 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 people usually are pretty bold, at least we look at them from the outside inside and go, oh, that you know, that's taking a chance. I you know, wonder how that's going to work out. And uh, But I also believe that people that make bold moves, in the case of Ryan and, and, and Coach, that they, they have so much experience and in and business, in the game, and with people that uh, I, I think they have the confidence in themselves that, yes, I think these are two, two good men who could be bold, and they're not afraid and fearful of, uh, uh, of the challenges that lie ahead. I mean, I, I think that's why Ryan Smith got to where he is and is successfully in business, and I think Danny Ames, from, from being a player, uh, all the things he was involved in, I mean, it's bold for Danny A to be playing baseball when he was playing basketball. And and then, as, as obviously, as as a coach, uh, and then running an organization with Boston for years, uh, these are two men that aren't afraid to make a decision. And, uh, and, I, I, and they, they'll, they'll be sound decisions, but I think to some, they will seem bold. And really, when you think about the Jazz, they've not been a, an organization that's made a lot of really big-time bold moves. They've had great coaching and they've got it. Has done a nice job with the draft, and and right now have a real, you know, have one of the top three or four teams in the NBA. But knowing Ryan Smith and knowing how competitive Danny Ainge is, you know, there's there's one thing they're looking at doing here, and then making bold moves to win an NBA championship. How's that going to happen? How's that going to work? Uh, I know, Dan. I don't. I'm not a. You know, I obviously I know Danny because I coach his son and and we've had conversations and been around each other. But the one thing I've known and respected about him from the outside, he's always thinking, he's always tinkering, he's always considering the next step. And and i got to believe that Ryan Smith, the empire that he built financially for himself and his companies, he's done the same thing. So you've got two really bright minds that are good friends that both have passion for golf and for basketball and those kinds of things. So they have a lot in common and uh, it makes sense that they're going to do it together.
0: So we have a guy named Steven tweeting at us, and I wonder how much truth you think to uh, his theory here is. We're talking about what's wrong with the Jazz. They lost twice this weekend. The Spurs at home were one of the – You know, worst teams in the West, and then the Wizards who are kind of a mediocre team in the East. Steven says, having Ainge in the front office has the players on edge and screwing with the team, hence two straight losses. I wish he wasn't with the Jazz. Now, I don't think you'll go with I wish he wasn't with the Jazz, but I'm curious what you think about Ainge in the front office has the players on edge and screwing with the team's mentality. How much do you buy into that, and how much is that just an excuse? Uh,
1: Yeah, I don't buy into that. I mean... I think that any time you lose to two teams that you absolutely should beat at home, there are going to be a lot of question marks, and and, and those were uh, two bad losses, and uh, and, and certainly uh, not 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 to take anything away. The one thing right now, and I and I I didn't see those games, and specifically I read about them, I saw highlights and things, but. There's so many issues right now in this league dealing with protocol and injuries. You never know who's playing. I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll sit there and get online and, and watch games, and you know, you, you there are more people playing in the NBA right now that I've never heard of. That you're going, you know, where did this guy come from? You know, and all of a sudden, some guy goes for 27, and and you're going, hey, he hasn't played in like two years. You know, I mean, right now, I, I think the thing that's impacting the. You know, Entire league is, is, is the protocols again, and, and, and I, I, I think it's going to get worse. And I think the injuries are going to go worse. So I, I think there's more of those kind of issues impacting the entire league, where they're so inconsistent, and you never know who's going to play, and who's on the team, and what's going to go on. And managing that, I mean, we got coaches in, the, in protocol, we have got players in protocol, and it, it's just a it's a revolving door every every day. It's a different team. And that's going to lend itself to upsets. It's going to lend itself to teams not playing with great chemistry and, and just fledgling around. And But typically you would think through all that, at least if you're at home, if you're at home, you know, that, that puts you in a position. Those two games they shouldn't have lost. There's just no way. And, and you know, and whether it's, you know, defensively, uh, you know, there were some challenges. But with Danny and Ryan going back to them and their leadership, you um, these are guys that have had so much experience and so much understanding with people and organizations that, you know, I, I feel absolutely confident that they're going to take this to another level. I don't know what it's going to look like and how it's going to happen, but I'm convinced the passion they have to, as successful businessmen, successful athletes, successful people all around throughout their lives, that they're not afraid. They're not afraid. To take a chance and do certain things, and I usually fear comes from a lack of understanding. You know, I, you know, I'm not sure what we're going to do here, what we're going to do there. I think with Ryan Smith and Danny Ainge, you've got a combination of two guys that have so much experience, so much understanding. There won't be a great deal of fear. Not every decision is going to be perfect. Not every decision is going to work, but uh, they're going to think outside the box, unlike probably many people in in, in the in the NBA.
2: Late game situations, last possession, that type of thing. The ball's been in Mitchell's hands. There's been a couple times where it hasn't gone like they've wanted. The other night against the Spurs, uh, he had had uh, a little bit of a situation. He's dribbling the ball and he's trying to get to the basket, and it seems like his head is down. In terms of, I'm going to get to the basket. He ends up doing like a scoop. And it does, man, it just seemed like it sat on the rim for for 10 seconds. And it didn't roll in. It rolled off. Uh, He's your best player, obviously, offensively in particular. And he's very dynamic. How do you coach... Getting the ball into your best player's hands, but him also understanding that he's got four guys out there, so it doesn't necessarily need to be him shooting. But at the same time, you don't want to ins- discourage him. You want him to keep his confidence up. It seems like it's somewhat of a del- delicate balance there.
1: You know, it, it is. And I, I, I don't, you know, whether you're a high school coach or a junior college coach or a Division One coach or the NBA, I mean, you 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 come into every game knowing that certain scenarios that you're prepared for, like, you know, you're down one, you're down two, you're down three, you know, whatever the circumstances are. And yeah, you talk through those things. I mean, the, the, those are things that are talked about in practice early on. And these, here's our late game plays. Here's our late game sets. We're going to try to get the ball. But one, one thing that I, I know that I did as a coach is that I had five or six out of bounds plays or sideline baseline uh, or, you know, 30 seconds left in the game, 20 seconds, 10 You know, you have all of that set up. That has that been practiced. It's, it's been orchestrated in practice. It's, it's kind of like, well, hey, we're just going to give him the ball. He's going to go, no, this is what we're going to do. This is where we need to be. Now, that being said, I think there's a lot of, uh, just through the public's eye and through media scrutiny, that, you know, if the wrong guy shoots the ball, and misses, it's on the coach because why in the world would he have him taking that shot when you've got, you know, Donovan Mitchell over here who can do this, you know? And so you kind of you kind of you protect yourself in, in, a, in a way in the sense that I always did it this way. I mean, I tried to – I absolutely tried to make sure that I got the ball in the hands of the guy that was hot, the guy that was could get me to the free throw line, to run a ISO or a set where we could get to the free throw line if we were down one or whatever we were, or if we're down three, we got to have a three. So, you know, you have all those things prepared. But I think one of the things you always say coming out of the timeout, especially to, to the guys taking the shot, listen, man, you can do this. I said, if you get doubled, if you get doubled, fine, find somebody there. You know, And I always allowed them to, in their mind, know that, hey, I have full confidence in you, but if they come out you with two or three people, here, what are we going to do if we get doubled? And you have to practice that. You have to practice that. If you don't practice late-game situations – most of the time that they take place, it's just the luck of the draw. A guy hits a fadeaway 17-footer and goes in, well, what a great play, you know. Well, no, we got lucky there. So I think for anybody that's in coaching at any level, has to have late-game situations. they got to have them covered from every spot on the floor, and every day you take 10 minutes on late-game situations, down two, 20 seconds, down one with three seconds. You know, and, and you do that defensively as well, you know, because a lot of times uh, it, it, it's a pretty popular thing if you're up, you know, you, you've got a situation where you foul and t- get them to the free throw line. I've seen every play that, to, to, that worked for me, and I've seen sometimes things are backfired. You know, you're fouled early, and all of a sudden, you know, they make a shot, they miss it, they get the rebound, a guy hits a three and you lose the game. But I, di- I do believe that th- this situation in the NBA, you know, you're, you, you've always got one or two guys that can go make a play. But there's so much prep that goes into that, in practice that it's not like, hey, I'm going to drop a new play. That that, that seldom happens. I'm going to drop a new play here in 30 seconds to give the guys that they've never run. That's not happening. I mean, I I think sometimes the media, I think fans give them credit. Oh, man, you do a great. They've probably been practicing that play for two months. And with that specific guy, Donovan Mitchell shooting the ball. Um, But things happen and, and good coaches can defend late game things. And I always made sure that Listen, you do not, you do not have to shoot this thing with two people. And like, give it up, find the open man. I mean, the, the primary thing is going there. And you can do this, you can finish it, knock it down, and, and you're always. If he misses it, he misses it. You know, you, you just got to walk away and say, Hey, I had the hands of my best player, or Hey, I had the hands of my best player. They they doubled him. He couldn't get it off, and he kicked it out to Conley, who's a great three-point shooting guard, and he missed it. You, you're done. What you're done. You're disappointed you kind of pass the media test and the fan test, and you say, hey, we had a good play run. That's where we were. Now, you know, you can go back to why were we behind in that situation. <laughs> and that's a whole other narrative and conversation. Man, why were we down anyway? We're playing two teams that are pretty average at home. Uh, and, uh, and well, we, we didn't guard. We didn't guard defensively. I mean, the reason they, the reason they lost to uh, – to both those teams is just defensively they weren't as good as they needed to be throughout the game, not just late.
0: Totally agree with that. 36 points in the first quarter to the Spurs and 41 in the third. I mean, good yeah. grief. That can't happen.
1: <laughs> no, nope, it can't happen. And, again, uh, you guys were really close to it, but it didn't seem like they were down a lot of bodies and, and you're playing at home, you're sleeping in your own bed. Uh you, you go through that. I mean, it's a grind. I can't even imagine playing eighty some games and and uh, do what they do. But they travel well. They, you know, it's, it's not that difficult. But I do believe I go back to what I said before. I think we're going to see more upsets and more of this. It's it, you know just because of all of the COVID protocols, all of the injuries that are happening, just all of the nonsense that seems to be impacting the league. So. I, I mean, it's, it's really, really obvious that Phoenix Suns and Golden State Warriors uh, are really, really good. And Golden State probably going to get a little bit better when when Clay comes back. And we know that Utah's been really, really good. They've got 20 wins. But 80% of this league is hovering around 500. <laughs> you know, a few games over, a few games under. Uh, and, I, and I do believe that oh, there's parity in the league. That's fine. But I just not having the same team day in and day out, uh, really, uh, it, it hurts. It, it, it's a challenge. And so teams that can stay healthy and deal with protocol and, uh, and keep their guys and Utah's been able to do that pretty much. But, uh, I mean, I, I think that uh, they've got three games here coming up that are all very, very winnable games. And, uh, but again, you can't take the Hornets for granted. I mean, you know, Hayward comes in here, you know, and drops 40 because he's back in Utah and LaMelo Bell and Wazir, and, and Bridges. I mean, those are all good players. And if you don't come to play, the Hornets can beat you at home. T-Wolves, won four in a row, <laughs> you know, and, and not, you know, they beat Portland and Denver and Lakers and the Mavs. I mean, none of those teams are playing great, but they've won four in a row. And, and I'm not sure if Luke is playing for the Mavs, but uh, I think that, uh, you know, th- those are three really winnable games. So uh, hopefully they'll get turned around this week and have a great week and, you know, all of a sudden be 23-9 and nine and, and, uh, and right there where they want to be. But we'll see. You just never know. You never know. But it seems like Conley's healthy now, right? He's playing better and back and uh, – I don't follow it as close as you guys do, but it seems like they're a pretty full strength. So there's real no excuse to to go through this homestand and, and just kind of fall flat on your face. Uh, these are three winnable games at home, and and, and then none of those teams are great defensively. And so they, they should, scoring should not be a problem.
2: Throw a basketball question at you. If you're Mark Pope, you lose your two big guys. How do you not feel sorry for yourself? Uh, it's impossible. Of course, you do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, Mark—he's the—he's uh, he, so positive about everything, and uh, you know, he, he's got those two bigs. That it hurts, and, and with Loner and Latte and uh, Troyori, I'm not sure. the yeah, Francis George, you got four guys that are all undersized that are strong and athletic, but it, it, it'll catch up to them. I, the one thing that BYU does have is, is they've got they've got guys that can shoot it in the perimeter. And, and and as long as they continue, you know, whether it's Marcello or, you know, Spencer Johnson or Nail, and even the Knight, the Knight kid who's new to the program, has, has hit the three ball. And and so that keeps them in games uh, when they play under size people. But over, over time, uh, it, it's made it more challenge for them, no question. And uh, they're going to play, I guess they're in Hawaii playing in a tournament. And I, I think I looked at the they're, they're all teams. I think they can beat. Uh, but when you're down numbers and guys get hurt or guys get tired, it, it does, it can have an impact, but no, it's tough, tough. Cause if you but, but, uh, Harward, uh, is a guy that it takes up so much space. And I have watched him. i have been in Utah in the summer and watched him in his workouts and thought that he, he's just kind of a, a beast there. And, uh, to not have, And Baxter, obviously losing Baxter hurts as well. But Harward had such a presence at the rim. And uh, it doesn't sound like either one of them will coming back, to be honest with you. So they'll, they'll do what they got to do. But uh, BYU's got a nice, they had a nice win at Weaver. And uh, I, you know, I watched Utah play, by the way, for the first time. And, you know, Coach Smith, I mean, I'd seen them Utah State, but he, he does a nice job. And uh, I, I know they don't have all the pieces yet. They're, they're, uh, Fresno State's going to come in and play them Tuesday. Uh, Justin Hudson, who's the coach at Fresno State, is, is a good friend of mine. Um, he was at San Diego State a long time, and his dad was a high school coach here. But he's, he's got a nice squad. They're 9-2. They're not real big, but they do have a kid, Orlando Robinson, who's about a 7-footer that will probably be drafted this year. But they re- they're really – they play hard. They're really athletic. They guard like the San Diego State teams did in the past and and Justin was a part of that. I, I don't know how they'll be at altitude and they can make enough baskets, but that'll be, a, that'll be a good test for Utah as well.
0: Well, Steve, we appreciate the time. As always, have a Merry Christmas, and we will talk to you again yeah, next you guys,
1: week. You guys too, man. Take care.
0: Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, joining us right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. DJ PK brought to you in part by Zero Res. It's the holidays, and people are going to spill stuff on your carpet. It's just how it's going to go. And if you're prepping for the holidays, Zero Res can help clean up before and after the festivities, keeping your carpets clean well into 2022. Give Zero Res a jingle by calling 801-288-9376 or booking online at Lake.com. Or if you're up north, it's ZeroResDavisWeber.com. This is Hanson Scotty.
2: Let's do it. Danny Ainge has been named as the CEO of the Utah Jazz. Scotty, you called this going back into June, essentially. Obviously, Ryan Smith is an absolute brilliant mind. But I also think that in his mind, he's like, okay, I'm a brilliant mind of business. I want to be a brilliant mind in NBA management. In order to do that, let me get the most brilliant mind around next to me.
0: This is going to sound like a criticism.
2: Trust me when I say it is not because I respect the heck out of it. Danny Ainge is a cold Blooded killer when it comes to making moves necessary to try to win a championship. You look at the moves he made in Boston when something has to be done and it may not be popular for your fan base, but in your mind, it makes you better. He's going to pull the trigger on it.
0: What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5-1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Oh, I have a <laughs> that might have been worse than what you were doing right before we Is there anything cooler than that? Is anything to make more money than that? But when you really break it down <laughs> <laughs> But I mean he's Elvis! He's freaking he, Elvis! He's Elvis, yes <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh,
2: I like that Woo! Woo!
0: This is a great tune Uh, All right, it's time to bring you up to speed if you're a little late to the show. You slackers, good morning. We're all jealous. We wish we got as much sleep as you did. It's brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for their $59 furnace tune-up. Special, or visit them online at leaseheatac.com.
2: Hey, between us, man, we got 16 hours of sleep. Now, I got, uh, got probably 12? 12 of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I went to bed at 9.30 last night. Wow. Look at you. You beat <laughs> well, this me. game was over, and I went to bed. I just, uh, I'd had enough. I didn't, uh, I was up early yesterday, never got a chance to take a nap, I want to watch football and all that stuff with the NFL. So, yeah, I, I went to bed way early, more, much earlier than I normally do.
0: So, as long as you're watching all that NFL, the game that jumped out at you, I thought there were several interesting games. There are several teams on trajectories I find really interesting. A game I didn't watch, but it absolutely shocked me, was the Lions just handing it to the Arizona Cardinals.
2: I watched that game. Yeah, it was pathetic. Uh, if I'm Arizona now, I'm about uh, maybe
0: two-quarters away from full panic mode. That far, huh? I would think the Lions – and I know the Lions are well, better after an 0-8 start. They're 2-3 and three with one tie in the last six games. So they've gone yeah. from horrific to mediocre. Yeah, okay, But you got to look
2: at where the Cardinals are in the timeline. They're not the Packers here. They haven't made the playoffs since 2015. Mm-hmm. So if they get to the postseason – That's a resounding success. And maybe they snuck up on some folks earlier and that stuff is evening out. But I think if you look at them, they get to the postseason, which they still have a very good chance to do. Uh, But I think they got Indy Christmas night. At home, you got to get that one to take the pressure off because I think they go Cowboys and Seattle at the end. Uh-oh. Seattle, Seattle in Seattle. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean that's dangerous, obviously. So, so get the indie game, and I think you're okay there as far as the postseason. I mean, the Packers are not going to be content making the postseason, right? I mean, it's a different storyline for them. So I try to put it in perspective of what they're trying to do, and if they get to the postseason, that's really good, Packers. Yeah, Packers. Uh, it's about winning it all, certainly, and that was, the game against Baltimore was the most entertaining. I've got zero problem with Harbaugh going for two. I don't like. I didn't really like the play call to just slice the field down to about the third of it by running right like that. Uh, not sure I would do that, but I mean, you're trying to win the game, so it's not like you're guaranteed to be winning it in overtime if you kick the extra point. So I'm perfectly comfortable with them going for two.
0: So they've gone for two, three weeks in a row, and they've, they've failed three weeks in a row, and they've lost by one, they've lost by two, and they've lost by one. And all those two-point conversions came in the fourth quarter. So they got a problem, and the analytics can say whatever the analytics say, but you're not good at two-point conversions. You're two for seven this year, right? I
2: think it's the play call. I almost think to the point where in a two-point conversion you've got to come up with something tricky. You know, you got to catch him off guard. Look at the famous two point conversions that we've seen. The Boise against Oklahoma, right? You got him off guard there with that, what would you call it, Statue of Liberty or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. And you hand the ball back to Ian Johnson. He runs it in, drops, and proposes to Chrissy Papadix. The greatest proposal in all time, history of proposals. You know, I like what you did when you skydived in the honey's backyard and you dropped down, you didn't present the game ball, you had the the ring right there. And it was July 4th, so the whole family was there and they could all see it. And you had tipped off her parents. That was a great call by you by doing that. The fact that I
0: had the grass in the backyard painted with the diamond ring as a bullseye (laughs) instead of dropping on the traditional target, that just upped the whole level. I mean, it was just doubling down on my greatness. Yeah.
2: And what you wore as you were skydiving, or what I should say, what you didn't have on, was really even more impressive. I mean, that was just incredible. So that was a memorable proposal. But that play and then what? The, the Super Bowl won to Nick Foles. I just don't know that you can just run a standard play if you can. and I'm not a football play caller by any stretch. No one's confusing me with Norm Chow here. Uh, but it seems like it ought to be quick. If you drag it out, how many times does that work? You know what I mean? If you just have something real, a real quick hitter or some form of a trick play. But I like the premise of trying to win the game.
0: I don't mind the rollout. Um, You can lose some of the field, but the NFL guy's arms are so strong, you don't necessarily. But it just seemed like when he rolled out, he was locked onto one receiver. That's what I'm saying. The receiver everybody expected. Now, a lot of times, there's a guy running to the front corner, there's a guy running to the back corner, there's another guy uh, running along the back of the goal line underneath the goal posts. Uh, And so, and you have the option to run, which Hundley had run for the he threw for the two first sure. half touchdowns he ran for the two right but when quarter. he ran he ran off his uh, his other side here you're, you well, he you the
2: sliced the yeah. field yeah he did okay but that's up the, well, middle. the middle that means you've got all sorts of options yep. here you're sprinting to the other to the right side everybody's flowing that way i, I just the you, your window you just shrunk it so
0: small well, they going to look at their two-point play calls because when you're two for seven, all the analytics go out the window. You know, it's like saying, "Hey, you need to shoot more three-pointers." Well, okay. if you got a bunch of guys who can't shoot the three, you don't need to shoot more three-pointers. So, the the two for seven, this is a problem week after week after week. Yeah,
2: unless it was two for seven and both of those times were
0: to win games, then we'd be think it was great. They were they were in the same game and it did win them the game. It was an overtime game. And they needed both of them in the fourth quarter, I think, to get there. So they've won one game using the two and they've lost four. Now, the thing that's overlooked, and you did bring this up earlier, if they kick the one, there's still 42 seconds. You may not even get to overtime because Rodgers could throw two or three passes and they kick a 50-yard field goal and win the game. And then you go to overtime and it's still a coin flip it can go either way. So it's not like if they just kicked the PAT, it was locked down. But it's got to be killing these Raven fans. You know, you've lost three weeks in a row. And, I mean, losing the Packers is one thing because they look really good. But you also lost to the Steelers, and they look really average. Okay, but if you get into the playoffs in the AFC, who's the dominant team? Kansas City. It's the Chiefs again. And that's hard to believe, and it's maybe a little disappointing for people who are like, the Chiefs, I don't want to see them for a fourth straight are year they in the title
2: game. I didn't say who's the best team. I said who's the dominant team. Because there's always got to be the best team. Yep. You all can suck, but there's still somebody who's the best <laughs> who well, suck. Well,
0: the, the Chargers had them on the rope, so I guess you can say in that game they didn't dominate, but they got off to a terrible start. They were uh, they were 3-4, and four, and now they've won seven in a row. So I think when you win seven in a row, you're dominating – but you're not winning seven in a row you know, by 20 points every week where you're just blowing teams off the field. So I guess that would be the little mark you could put in there and say you're not dominating. You had to get off the deck to beat the Chargers in overtime.
2: And I don't discount the Chiefs. I mean, Andy Reid has made a living out of getting to whatever conference final mm-hmm. he's in. Isn't this going – if he gets there, this will be his fourth one in a row?
0: Which will be like either 10 or 11 for his career. That's a lot of conference finals. And uh, we're getting into Belichick territory here. I
2: don't know that anybody's gone four years in a row, have they?
0: To a conference final? Yeah, it was. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. In, but since when, though? Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know that. Uh, I mean, I assume Belichick has. I read somewhere that. Uh, I mean, he, he'd done it. I guess now the thing is, is it, who's a coach who's done it twice? Because Reed did it in Philly. Did he do it four or three? Conference Super Bowls to go to the conference title game or to go to the Super Bowl? To go to the Super Bowl? Uh, going to three straight Super Bowls that gets tricky because Belichick did three out of four. Yeah, that's They're, what I'm talking
2: about. You're you're, yeah, you're in the to to go to the conference final to win the, to get in the Super Bowl.
0: Okay, it's <laughs> you're you running so it you two games you go th- there and then you win it. Okay, so to go to the Super Bowl, yeah, that's now the list gets way shorter.
2: Yeah, that's. Well, I, mean, I didn't explain it well, but that's what I was getting at.
0: Yeah. Yeah, to go to three straight Super Bowls is extraordinarily rare. And I Reed, mean, Shula man. did it with the Dolphins in the early 70s. Uh, give it up I, to Andy Reid. Yeah, this is. it's an awesome accomplishment. And honestly, going to four straight conference title games, whether you win them or lose them, is not done that often. And the people who've done it are all people, you know, the names roll off the tongue. They're all Hall of Famers. And mm-hmm. well, he should be, too. Oh yeah, I would think he's slam dunk. That's he's he's a no-brainer at this point. I mean, he's just piling it up. The, getting that Super Bowl win was the last box to check, but all the other longevity stuff, the the 200 career wins and 100 wins with two different teams and um been to multiple Super Bowls. Yeah. I mean, it has been I mean, three Super Bowls now. There aren't that many coaches who've coached in the Super Just think
2: when he's done with that, what he's going to do with the BYU program. <laughs> One day. <laughs> the dream lives
0: on. 87-year-old Andy Reid. <laughs> Recruiting 16-year-olds. Yeah, I'm going to be here all four years. You're going to go on a mission at Shirt, I'm going to be here all seven. Him and Whittingham, two buds going up against each other. Two 95-year-old dudes. I know I said I was going to retire at 85. Five, Kyle said.
2: <laughs> I ain't going till Andy goes.
0: <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, we talked a lot of NFL this morning. The, uh, are there any other do, – do we trust the Cowboys? Is the two seed in the NFC? Because I as don't. the two
2: seed, yes. As I mean, the two I, seed? To go to the Super Bowl. No. Okay. You asked me, as
0: the two seed. Yeah. They could be the two They're there now. They can hold on. Their schedule's not that tough down the stretch. What do, of, what do you make of the Saints' defense owning Tom Brady?
2: Absolutely awesome. But I mean, it's an, it's a one-game deal.
0: Well, it's four. They beat him four times the regular season, and lost the playoff game. So he's one and four since he went to Tampa. Now he won the most important game.
2: <laughs> I'm not picking the Saints if they should meet again.
0: You'll pick the Bucks in the playoffs. I will. Yeah.
2: But yeah, they they were awesome, man. They were just absolutely yeah. awesome. No doubt about it. And one of the reasons why I wouldn't necessarily pick him because I don't totally believe in the Saints' offense.
0: Yeah. They just did what was necessary. Don't turn the ball over. Don't be Drew Locke and get the ball stripped. Drew! Drew, what are you
2: doing for the Broncos? What are you doing? Now, he didn't score any touchdowns, but I thought under the circumstances that was Taysom Hill's best performance.
0: He did what needed to be done to win. They got the field goals. They got the lead. You could see where it was going. At halftime, you knew they needed one more. You didn't feel comfortable like one play can beat you. But Evans went out with a hamstring injury. Then Godwin went out.
2: Well, they were dropping black flies. Yeah, yeah Fournette they Fournette went out, Fournette too. Went yeah, out. I mean, basically, yeah. she was stripped of his playmakers. Yeah. You had Gronk, I'll give you that, but there nobody else really.
0: Yeah. Doubleheader today. Raiders and Browns, three o'clock on the NFL network. Uh, the Browns with a win moved to eight and six and would be like one of five teams at eight and six now. <laughs> it's just,
2: but uh, who's this? Mullins going to start a quarterback? Yeah, so month?
0: who knows, right? It goes back to what Steve Cleveland just said. By the Niners fan, via Condios, <laughs> Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Vikings and Bears in the traditional Monday night football game at six fifteen on ESPN. But we got Monday afternoon football. Hey, I love a
2: three o'clock Monday football game.
0: You know the Tuesday games are going to start them both at the same time. I, I got to say, could you just offset them by an hour, even? Give us a little bit of a break here. Come on.
2: I agree with that, but no yeah. more football the better, man. Yeah, right? Two games on Tuesday. I just want games on, and then if I don't want to watch them, you move up? like all these bowl games. I get, it bugs me that people say we got too many bowl games. Don't watch them then. You give a crap we got too many bowl games. You don't want to watch it, don't watch it. I watch some of these bowl games. i got nothing else to do during the day. I want to watch them.
0: The ratings for those two games on uh, ABC on Saturday were really good. A lot of people in this market watched the Cougar game, and a lot of people watched the Aggie game. So there were a lot of people soaking it up. In the rest of the country, they may have looked at those two games and shrugged, but a lot of people here enjoyed those games, that's for Who sure. Who cares,
2: man? I never viewed my TV viewing, based, based never based my TV viewing on, well, is this popular? What is somebody in Oshkosh doing? <laughs> I, wa- I watch
0: what I watch. And a lot of people here watch these games. For BYU, not the exclamation point on the season everybody wanted. The back-to-back 11 win seasons escapes the Cougars. They settle for 10-3. and 3.
2: If I'm Kalani, I hold a Christmas Day practice. <laughs> no, you don't.
0: <laughs> then you'd have to be there. <laughs> you don't do that.
2: Not necessarily. I could delegate.
0: <laughs> I told you earlier my big takeaway from this game, they need more depth when they go to the Big 12. Injuries were a problem. The defense was racked by the injuries. And the lack of depth showed as UAB was able to run the ball. And BYU ran the ball really well, too. Algier had a monster day. But, you know, the running backs and the O-lines matched monster games. And they had the lead at the end and ran out the clock.
2: Well, plus on that fourth and seven, of the touchdown pass, the dude was open, open by 20 wide feet. wide open,
0: yeah. Busted. Busted coverage.
2: I was bugged.
0: Of course, I'm a Cougar fan if you listen to a lot of the Utes on Twitter. Clearly. And then if you listen to the Cougars, you're a Ute fan and you hate the Cougars. So there you go. The uh, Aggies, that was impressive. Third string quarterback, Pac-12 team, no problem. 11-win season, bookended by Pac-12 wins at Washington State in the opener and then Oregon State in the bowl game. How? Blake
2: Anderson, the Jacksonville Jaguars.
0: (laughs) I see what you did there. Very good. (laughs) All right, DJ PK, that's some of what we've been talking about all morning long. When we come back, your feedback stay with us.
1: And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. It's official.
0: The Utes are the 2021 Pac-12 champs and are heading to the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. What better way for the Utes to make their inaugural trip to the Rose Bowl than a battle against Ohio State? Keep it locked on the Zone Sports Network as we get you ready for the Utes' historic trip to Pasadena. Your home for the best coverage of the Utes in the Rose Bowl is right here on 9 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network. Join hands County Wednesday at LHM Riverdale from noon to 3, 1481 West Riverdale Road in Riverdale. All right, to the Andy Reid discussion, PK, he would be the fourth coach to go to three straight Super Bowls. Don Shula in the Dolphins in the early 70s, Marv Levy in the Bills four in a row in the 90s, and then Belichick with the Patriots three in a row in 2017, 18, and 19. Beating the Falcons, losing to the Eagles, and then beating the Rams. So that is a short list. It is time for your feedback now. And we've got a lot of people saying who can, or answering the question, who can figure out the Jazz? And Jim Steele says, well, everybody has the Jazz figured out. They have some good spurts during the regular season, and then they lose in the first or second round of the playoffs. There, he's got
2: it figured out. That's before, that's not now.
0: Lance says, "Games with ball movement, we do really well. Games without ball movement, the Wizards game, we do poorly." I saw seventeen assists in that game. We've been getting in the high twenties in our wins. Find the open man, get the open shot, hustle on defense. If CP3 can do it, we can. Chris man, Paul it makes it sound so simple. Chris Paul and the Suns looking good. They are, yeah, absolutely better than I thought, and they went to the
2: finals last year,
0: right? And they just humiliated the. Uh, The Charlotte Hornets, you didn't have to see a lot of that game to see a big old dunk fest. It was just one dunk after another. Very dangerous team, for sure. Who can figure out the Jazz? Eric says the Spurs and the Wizards can. That's comedy right there. Yeah. It's more
2: about the Jazz, though, than the other teams.
0: The Bogdana Grinch at Grouch Potato 20 says, it looks like the bottom half of the NBA has figured out the Jazz. It's where their losses are coming. Bottom half well, of the league.
2: Well, okay. Then the good thing is they won't play them in the playoffs. So right?
0: This doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Neither does the Magic or the Pacers Right. Pelicans. Hey, I hope they play the Magic in the postseason. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the Magic, you got to get to number 10 and then make a miraculous run through the East. <laughs> it's a stretch. Yeah, it is. All right. Then another topic we hit on here, Utes in Arizona, at Utes Be Crazy, who uh, tweets at us... Uh, fairly regularly, uh, says, Patrick's sarcastic posts are pretty funny. And yes, over 20 years, most get it, but it's a bit of a sting for some fans on Twitter. He gets oh. you, but he knows everybody doesn't. And you know, I think Ute and AZ makes a strong point here. Go ahead, and for the people who weren't with us earlier, you were recounting some of the tweets you sent out oh, to, uh, <laughs> to mess with people during the bowl oh, games. Yeah.
2: So, BYU gets down 14 to nothing, and I tweet out, oh, they don't want to be there. Mm -hmm. And then I get, oh, you always make excuses, fanboy. (laughs) 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 And those are from some Ute fans that are coming at me, thinking I'm making excuses for the Cougars for losing. Hey, come on. And then I tweet out, you know, another McBride beats them because that McBride sure looked good. I don't care who he plays for. That kid looked good. Uh, I'm not caught up in names. I'm caught up in talent. And, he ran uh, and hard. Pride. Yeah. He ran yeah.
0: hard. And it wasn't just he ran hard. He's not some clunky back who'll get you the 68, maybe 12 yards on a really big run. He had the speed and broke a couple tackles on that 64-yarder. Which, you know, if you're the Cougars, you got him pin against the sideline. Don't tackle him. Shove him out of bounds. I mean, the sideline never misses a tackle. Shove him out of bounds
2: yeah yeah so i mean i was just having fun that's all it is for me and, and although i was bugged that the cougars lost that game because i didn't anticipate it uh not surprised that the aggies won surprised that they won with a third team quarterback you got me there but i we know that the the best of the mountain west could compete with the middle of the Pac 12 and i think oregon state they are the definition of middle, weren't they? 6-7 and 6. And I realized they beat the Utes. They got them in that one game. I got all that. But still, uh, I, that that didn't that didn't really surprise me. Third team quarterback, sure. Yeah. Because I didn't know what to expect with him. He sure looked good. Good for them. Good for Blake Anderson. Wow. This is this this season here for the Aggies with Blake Anderson has got to be one of the best coaching jobs in the history of our state in football.
0: Well, there have been some really good coaching jobs. I mean, you got Lavelle Edwards, Hall of Famer, so he turned in a few good ones. Urban Meyer turned in two spectacular ones. But this is Urban-ish, right? Coming in off a losing season, low expectations, win the Mountain West. Urban went 10-2, and won the Liberty Bowl. And here you go 10-3 and and win the L.A. Bowl.
2: Yeah, I'm telling you now, future coaching hires, uh, who can you bring with you in the transfer portal?
0: Yes, 100%. And this isn't just a football thing either, because we just saw this with Utah basketball. Oh no, not at all. And at Utah all. State basketball. Yeah, two new coaches, and they brought guys.
2: Right, and and if they have, you know, they could potentially be immediately eligible in most cases. You, you got to factor that in. Now that's a short-term deal, but still, you got to look towards that because you need to build momentum. And they got it going on there. Both both of those programs in Logan got it going on. So right now, it looked like both coaches were good hires.
0: That Wyoming loss. For Utah State. And Wyoming ran for 362 yards. They had 240-yard backs in that game. And they did a spectacular job of, after that game, you thought San Diego State could have run the ball like Wyoming did, and they didn't. You thought Oregon State could have run the ball the way Wyoming did, and they didn't. You really got to give it up to that defense for tightening up the act after that Wyoming debacle. Well,
2: same thing for Utah. They lose to Oregon State, and then that's it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Get beat by Oregon State. Turn your season around. Get beat by Wyoming. Turn your season around. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK. We may have forgotten to give away the 930 tickets, PK. Jazz and well, in, the, in the 930 half hour, I think we were talking Yeah, about. good one. Well, we better go <laughs> quick then. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Call right now. We'll give away two tickets to see the Jazz play tonight and more tickets coming up at 1030 with Jake and Ben right here on The Zone.